0: Hey folks, before we get started here, uh, I want you to take a minute and check out our main page, thefedorachronicles.com, and I want you to check out our incredible sponsors, Trinity Whip Company, Landry Artifacts, and Chester Cordite. These people provide incredible products and incredible services that um, just have to be seen to believe, and they have been gracious and generous enough to help support the fedora chronicles radio show and all the other things that we do so please be sure to do yourself and them a favor and check them out this is the fedora chronicles network This is the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, episode 67, recorded on September 16th, 2017. This time on the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, John Pike and I, Eric King Fisk, talk about classic films. We start off the show by talking about the loss of original classic movies, thanks to film stock nitrate degradation. You try and say that five times fast. And then we share our prayers and concerns for our listeners in the path of the hurricanes that struck the South earlier this month. Then John Pica and I turn the conversation over to discussing whether or not the Back to the Future movies are actually diesel punk. Then we round out the show talking about how so many of you in our audience are creating really great content and how we can get that content out to the rest of our listenership. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Um University of Wisconsin has an article about how we've lost all of the celluloid. We've lost classic films that were literally on film um, because of the deg- deg- degradation of the medium that it was recorded in. We we will never get some of these movies back. They're gone forever. Um, and I don't know what to say about that, other than the fact that I'm brokenhearted. But there are movies that... That we'll never see again. That that'll lost Yeah, Nitrate film. I'm sorry, it's not celluloid. It's nitrate film. Big difference.
1: Yeah, and and it is sad. And and unfortunately, we knew it was coming. Um, And, you know, that was... Say what you want about Ted Turner. That was one of his big initiatives with turner classic movies was to preserve and restore those classic films thank god he did yeah um but you know is it enough no and so you know there are some works of art that are lost lost to the dust forever um you know i I don't i don't know what I don't really have anything to say about it other than you're right. It's heartbreaking, and unfortunately, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Um, I wish there was more that could have been done to to save some of those works. Yeah.
0: And the th- and the thing is, I mean, what could we do? I mean, it's and it's not even it's not even our property. But you know, they it, you did the did the best that they could with the time that they had. Yep. So there's so then there's so there's that, um do we even want to talk about like the the uh um the weather do we want to talk about the weather do we want to talk about my cause my I, I, I'm really deeply concerned about a lot of our our, our brother and and sister and, is that even a word um all of our fellow diesel punks it all is of now, our, it is now, all of our fellow um all of our fellow retrocentrics and diesel punks out there who are. Um, struggling without food and water and electricity just the basic necessities down there and it was just like uh we've we've already given we've given twice to charity to try and help these people out and the worst part about it is is that here comes here comes jose and yeah so
1: well a friend of the podcast uh charles cornell who you know was uh, part of the Agent Carter roundtables. He did post on Facebook um, this morning that he got a report. You know, they evacuated, and uh, he did get a report that uh, their property is okay. You know, they lost a screen door maybe, but um, the house is okay and uh, no major damage. So, you know, that's good. Um, And, and, you know, I I just hope that those people who – who were in the path had enough sense to get out um now i don't know what it's like in florida but i i think in coastal areas it is a requirement to have hurricane insurance
0: on your home
1: yes so from, from that from that respect you know thank god these people yeah they may have lost everything um, but at least they didn't lose their lives and at least that insurance is going to cover their you know housing needs in the immediate future. It, it's you know it's, it's a horrible thing to have to go through, but you know what? here's kind of my, my philosophy on life, Eric. and this this may explain a lot of why I do what I do to a lot of people when they hear this. I, I started out in this world with nothing my parents gave to me but when i you know and when i graduated from college i had nothing i had a piece of paper that said i completed the course and from nothing i i built what i had and the worst thing that could ever happen to me physically is for it all to be taken away well guess what I've been there before. It, it's not, it, you know, I, I, I don't look at it as, you know, the end-all be-all. Sure. Would it be disappointing? Would it be sad? Yeah. I, you know, I'm looking at my, right now I'm looking at my library of Houdini books. And it's not the largest in the world, but it's it's a pretty complete collection. I'm missing a few, like two or three key books, um, and it would, it would be heartbreaking to lose them, but you know what? Books can be replaced and a physical, you know, physical property can be replaced. Um, what can't be replaced is, is you physically, your, your body, your mind, and um, as long as you have your health and and your wits about you, you know, I, there's really nothing to worry about in this life. That's my opinion. And so while, while I want to help those people who are suffering loss and my heart goes out to them and, you know, I donate to the uh, appropriate charities and, you know, participate in the church events that, you know, are designed to help those folks – at the end of the day, me personally, I I don't get I don't get caught up in it, because I started with nothing. I'm going to die with nothing. You know, it's just another opportunity to start over again, and uh, you know, do something different. In my opinion.
0: Um. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm, 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 God, how can I, how can I top that? The thing is, I can't. Uh, What I can say is, is that it's like everything I owned, I, I, I could once fit into a backpack.
1: Um, exactly.
0: And I, and I had nobody to go back to, um, a lot to do with the, the bridges I burned. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) Um, um, and it was, the thing is that it was just like, I mean, that was my fault, I chose that. I was homeless for two and a half years because of the dumb choices I made. You don't choose to be hit with a hurricane.
1: No. Okay. The, these, these but, you, but, you can, but you can choose how you react to it. Oh, absolutely. And how you move on. Yeah. And that's my point.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think that the thing is, is that if we can help these people like I'm going through I'm going through my house seeing what I can find to send to people who are in need. Like do I really need 12 brand new pairs of pants that are that are sized 3622 that I can't even wear anymore because I'm I'm heavy set? I'm not heavy set anymore. You know, send them along. Send them to somebody who actually needs them. So, but um yeah I, I the the best news about this is that this is how this is the 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 only good news about this is that we get to demonstrate um love and compassion for our fellow for our for our fellow man and um and we get to see we get to see a side of ourselves that we don't usually get to see we don't get to see our the, our generous side enough and it's sad that it takes a tragedy like this to show uh, others who we can be and how great we can be so well, anyway, see, that's what I did again. I brought, I, I, I brought it down. I brought the energy down. So, um, so uh, here's, a, so here's a perfect segue. If you could go back in time and change anything, what would you change? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I'd change a lot, actually, um, and and <laughs> that is a perfect segue. So, I was thinking about this this week, Eric, and um, you know. A couple of weeks ago, I guess you and I had a conversation, kind of about, you know, the the properties and the 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 movies, the books, the the music that kind of inspired our diesel punk, and inspired and informed our style. And um, you know, there were some obvious ones in there for me: um, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, you know, from a magic perspective, Harry Anders. Harry Anderson's Hello Sucker special on Showtime, uh, Untouchables, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. But it occurred to me that one of my all-time favorite film franchises had a really profound impact on the way I think about uh, storytelling and the way that I look at um, well, diesel punk in general, I guess. Uh, and there were there were two movies. Um, and the first movie was Time After Time, with um, Roddy McDowell, uh, Mary Steenburgen, and it's uh, the time travel movie about Jack the Ripper coming to the uh, to 1980.
0: Don't forget David Warner. This is one of David yeah, Warner's. Yeah, David Warner. Yes. This yes, is one yes, of I, this is one of I, David Warner's. Best performances in a movie, I believe.
1: Yes, yeah, great, great, great movie. Um, and that movie like started a fascination for me with time travel. And and there was another TV show, um, the girl, the gold, the the girl, the gold watch, and oh, what was the third one? The girl, the gold watch, and everything. Pam, I think it was Pam Dauber. Um, and it, it was a movie about this this pocket watch that would stop time and and allow the person who had it to step outside of time. Um, it was a really cool TV movie. I want to say like a CBS movie of the week kind of thing. Um, and again, fueled my passion for time travel. But it was... 1985s back to the future by far that that just sent me over the top and you know I was thinking why why is this not included on my list because because of the the time period that they keep going back to and the style and aesthetics it occurred to me Maybe Back to the Future could be included as a diesel punk film. Can it be, you know, one of those ones that someone says, what is diesel punk? Well, here, watch this and it'll tell you, no. But let's think about this for a minute. In in my diesel punk and a lot of us in the community, we extend the diesel era through to 1957 and kind of mark put the tack at the end of the era with the launch of Sputnik. Well, Back to the Future is centered around the events in 1955.
0: The cusp.
1: Yes. And, and uh, the, the sequels keep coming back to 1955. Everything, all of the action, or the ramifications of the action, don't occur because of things in the future or the present. They all happen from that point. What was it? August 15th, 1955.
0: I believe so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's that point in the movie, 1955. And so you've got all of the, the diesel era aesthetics in that era. Um, And and if you want to say, okay, well, where's the, the art deco? Well, it's all around in the, in the diner, the movie theater in town, uh, you know, the Texaco station, um, Doc Brown's mansion was, you know, you look at the interior. It was a Victorian mansion, but all of his interior was art deco. Uh, Doc was wearing, you know, a 1930s style smoking jacket, um, you know, a lot of Art Deco aesthetics in 1955 in Back to the Future. But then the second thing that occurred to me as I was thinking about it was the 1980s in general had a was influenced heavily by the diesel era. That's when we got Indiana Jones. That's when we got Moonwalker. From Michael Jackson. That's when we got the untouch. I said the Untouchables. Or yes. No, Untouchables. All in the eighties, early eighties. And when you look at eighties fashion, and I really had to, to you know, kind of look at this because I was an eighties fashionista. Um, but when you look at the eighties fashions, so much of it was derivative of punk rock. And diesel era fashions mashed together. So think about some of the uh, classic characters in 80s films. You see a lot of fedoras, pork pie hats, vests, suspenders, um, vintage sneakers. You know, m- you know, maybe not wingtips, but you see vintage, you know, uh, Chuck Taylor Converse. Um, you see the, the the pants that have a similar cut to the zoot suit pants. I'm talking about jeans primarily and slacks, but they have that, that wide cut and that narrow taper at the ankles. And when you start dissecting 80s fashion, you start to see all of these influences from the diesel era mashed with – you know, the the rock uh, the, and especially the punk rock uh, influences but then above and beyond that the time machine itself the DeLorean and, you know, I remember watching that movie and I remember when DeLoreans came off the line to my eye, they looked so futuristic but you remember in Back to the Future when he first arrives in 1955 and crashes into the barn, <laughs> yeah. And, and and you remember the scene where the DeLorean's headlights are on, and the kid looks at the cover of uh, What Amazing Stories or yeah. Amazing Fantasy, something like that, and it and it looks almost identical to the science fiction art of that era. And it, and it occurred to me, all of a sudden, holy cow, DeLorean wasn't futuristic. The DeLorean was retro. Oh, absolutely. Futuristic. Absolutely. And, and, and he, John DeLorean, took his styling directly from the pulp science fiction of the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And so when you combine all of those elements elements in my mind looking at back to the future i gotta say this fits our aesthetic yeah and it could be a seminal work
0: well i'm gonna i'm gonna say something because the thing is is I, I just tweeted well i'm i'm writing about this and you and you can follow follow me on twitter at Fedora chronicle because the thing is is that they wouldn't allow the s i don't know why they wouldn't allow the s um <laughs> Holly Gonzalez chirped in because I, because uh, I wrote what back to the future is a diesel punk. Could it be true? Yes. And Holly chimes in and she says it could even venture. You could even venture to call it atom punk. Now I, I'm not saying she's wrong, but I'm going to say something. The town where, um, back to the future takes place. um, it it really is a 1930s 40s style um, town and one of the things that i, had, yep. I one of the things that i had noticed is that there is a lot of architecture that harkens back to that per- that period that is still in existence in Hill Valley and one of the things that i have noticed and it's a it's a it's a subtle thing but the thing is, is that, did, you, did you sort of notice that there's, there's aspects to Back to the Future that's a homage or even a, a modern um, retelling of It's a Wonderful Life by Frank Capra? Especially how Back to the Future centers around Hill Valley, mm-hmm. while um, Bedford Falls is the center focal point of It's a Wonderful Life. Both, I mean, and the thing is, is that you cannot have Back to the Future without Hill Valley, and you cannot have It's a Wonderful Life without Bedford Falls,
1: and and I think wow, that, that that's a great point. You just like blew my mind just then,
0: and and here and, he, and here is the thing, is that you take away those two towns and how everything centers around those two towns, the plot doesn't work anymore. Because the thing is, is that if you look at it. George Bailey is trying to save Bedford Falls from um. Oh, what the hell is his name? Potter. Potter. Who was Marty McFly trying to save? Um, Hill Valley from. Beth. If if you if you take Back to the Future one and two together, maybe three. It's. It's it really it really is an updated version of "It's a Wonderful Life," and the thing is, is that and both stories do it, do involve going back in time and changing the future. And and the results that happen because, um, what I mean, Marty, Mc, Marty McFly goes back in time and he interferes with his parents, while George Bailey. He interferes with his parents by never being born and seeing the results of that. Those are like two extremes or two sides of the same exact coin. But the thing is, is that and you'll, you'll notice in that Hill Valley is in the night. You can even see it in the 1950s, but especially in the 1980s, Hill Valley is, is already in a little bit of decline. And the th- and, I- and I'm not trying to make the point that 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 diesel bunk is about decline, um, always about dystopia. Um, but if you wanted to argue about Back to the Future being diesel punk, you could throw in the dystopian um, aspect of it if you wanted to.
1: Well, especially in in Back to the Future Two, when they come back to 1985, and it's. It is a dystopian society. Yeah. It, it, it,
0: and it certainly is. And the thing is, it is like one of the things that it was just, and it is one of those things where it's like if you stop and think about it, um, and, and, and this, is, this is one of the benefits of, of, of working from home and having too much time on your hands <laughs> and watching a lot of movies. You start, see, you start to see a pattern, a synchronicity, as it were um and i and the and, and for and for me for my money you can't I, I don't with everything else if you take it within the context of what was going on in the 80s i mean the the 80s was really sort of like the diesel punk era with the with the resurgence of 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 world war Two history and and the sort of like with everything going on with like Banana Republic and like you said, all the Indiana Jones movies, and it was a it was a watershed moment for 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 period films. Um, and there was sort of this like, we if you were living in the eighties, nostalgia was huge. And yeah, it was, it, it, and and you could because the thing is, is that things were things were really bad back in the eighties, in ways that I don't think kids understand. I mean. Today could be the day that the, the the Soviets and 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 the Americans somehow push a button and it's all over. If Ronald Reagan accidentally hits the big red button, it's all over. If Gorbachev or whoever was in charge in the time accidentally hit the big red button, it was it was going to be all over. There's a book out there, and there's several of there's there's two of them. One is called The Dead Hand, which talks about how. During the 80s and the 70s and the 60s and the 50s, we almost annihilated each other several times over almost. And then there was uh, another book, um, Command and Control, and it was a PBS special that they did, whereas um, there was a fire in, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a missile silo and there was an explosion and it could have been enough to detonate the warhead in the middle of, I think it was Wisconsin? And, 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 and there was these constant sort of like, we had an, a, a nuclear power plant not too far from where I lived. It was literally, in, you could actually stand on certain hills and you could actually see Vermont Yankee nuclear power plant from where, from where I lived. If you're just standing on the, on the right hill in the right season... Um, You could see Vermont Yankee, and um, there was concerns about there being um, a a breach, and it turns out that there's radioactive trillium, is it trillium or Trillium one of them, in the water, and and, and, um, it was, uh, the 80s were, the 80s were dystopian. And it was all about now, now. I gotta live for now. I gotta live for now. I gotta, I gotta make some fast money. I gotta spend fast money. I gotta do, I gotta do the, I gotta do the drugs. I gotta do the new coke. I gotta get the, the, the new clothes from from Reebok. Or it was all this like this. I gotta live now. I gotta live tonight. And it's like the the song from Prince. The entire album from Prince, 1999, was about. The apocalypse. People don't realize that. Atomic Armageddon was everywhere. And you, can't, and you look it Back to the Future, they even reference Atomic Armageddon a couple of times. Like, Doc, it says to Marty something to the extent of, well, I'm sure that where you come from in 1984, you can get plutonium at any drugstore, but in 1955, it's pretty hard to come by. Yep. So, I can't see how it's not dieselpunk in in, in, in that regard. So, so what is, so well, good case closed. So what, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's the argument.
1: (laughs) Well, here's the thing. There are listeners out there who are going to take issue with, with my assertion. And they're just going to say, Oh, Johnny, you're just doing the same thing you've tried to do with star Wars. And, you know, uh, you know, Put, put one of your favorite things into this genre. Well, I think it's actually the reverse. I think Star Wars is one of my favorite films because of my passion for the aesthetic. I think Back to the Future is one of my favorite franchises because of my passion for the era, for the aesthetic. I, I consider Star Wars Saga... Indiana Jones and Back to the Future, the three greatest film franchises ever. And and everybody else in my opinion is trying to recapture that kind of magic. Well,
0: I'm going to tell you something right now and and when it comes to um when it comes to your argument about Star Wars being dieselpunk. Um I want you to keep a couple of things in mind. First of all, I believe that up until, is my cutoff Raiders of the Lost Ark, Uh, between American Graffiti Mm -hmm. and Raiders of the Lost Ark, George Lucas was the most provocative, thought-provoking director, producer, writer independent film coming out of coming out of Hollywood at the time all of his all of his movies up till and including Raiders of the Lost Ark are very subversive all of them have a very subversive anti-authoritarian rebellious slant to them American Graffiti is obviously talking about the youth culture THX 1138 is about technology that's run amok and has stolen all of our souls, and turned us into androgynous automatons in the not too distant future. Um, the original Star Wars, George Lucas threw all sorts of things into into the original Star Wars, that so many people, Star Wars episode four, A New Hope, whatever. He's got he's got the Vietnam War, he has. The Spanish Civil War, that that occurred in the in the 1930s, he had uh, um, technology run amok. He's talking about anti-authoritarianism. He's he's talking about when he talks about the empire. It's no mistake that everybody in the empire is white, and they sort of have like like that British high high society british accent um, look at what he was trying to say with star wars beyond it being just a space fantasy he was talking about he was talking about so many things that were going on he was talking about there was a little bit of watergate in there if you watch it and the thing is is that when he started to write star wars shortly around the time after kent state if folks know what happened in kent state there was their youth youth riot against the Vietnam War that turned violent and the National Guard shot a couple of students. And on top of all of that, how George Lucas saved money by repurposing World War II and Spanish Civil War surplus. I don't, that's not, I don't, I mean, I, it's, it's either a happy coincidence or that was intentional. And it's like if you were of age, when, when you first saw Star Wars, th- that, hit you, that, that hit you over the head. And then there was um, The Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, one of the best science fiction space opera movies that has ever been made. Um, I think that Rogue One is a close, close second. But The Empire Strikes Back is one of the best movies ever made. And then it finishes, yeah. it finishes, he finishes off his magnum opus with Raiders of the Lost Ark. With After everything Indiana Jones has done, after suffering from life and limb, coming close to death, fire, brimstone, the U.S. government gets a hold of the Ark of the Covenant. And what do they do? They rebury it in this warehouse out in the desert somewhere. If that's not subversive, I don't know what is. And there's a lot of George Lucas's work that was really anti-authoritarian, anti-fascist, if anything. And we've been talking a lot about fascism lately. And the thing is, is, yeah. that what, is what is fascism? People have been throwing around this word like it's like it's lost its meaning. What is fascism? Fascism is when you have a dictator who allows the corporations... To own the government, and the government to own the corporations, and in this national socialistic movement, you are nothing more than you're either a stormtrooper or you're an imperial officer, <laughs> or you're one of the you're you're working in the spice mines of Kessel, doing who you know blasted into who knows what. I mean, that's that that's what a, what a lot of people are worried about happening. George Lucas had said something about that with his with his first two Star Wars movies. Then he had to go and ruin it with Ewoks in the third movie. <laughs> but oh, that's but there, funny. But there's but there's so but there is so much, there's so much about what George Lucas was trying to say about what was going on in society in the late seventies, early eighties. Whereas it's like when Han Solo is being dropped into. You know, in Frozen and Carbonite, there's a message there. There's a message there. And I think that he was trying to say something with Han being frozen in carbonite, not only because, Han, not only because uh, Harrison Ford was not ready to sign on for a third film, but I think that, I think that with Han Solo being frozen, I think that what he was saying about, or in the early 80s, the counterculture movement was being put on ice.
1: Hmm. That, that's interesting. You know what? And kind of segueing to Han Solo. You know who I think Han Solo was modeled after?
0: I'm flattered if you think it was Rick. me. I, I, I'm flattered if you
1: think it's me, but
0: it's not. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Rick from Casablanca. Oh, absolutely. Han Solo is who Rick would have become.
0: There's, there is a great... I have not had the courage to actually find it. There is an actually a novel out there called As Time Goes By, which is supposed to be about Rick joining the French Resistance after putting Elsa on a plane. I haven't, I haven't had the courage to read it, because the thing is, my version of what happened to Rick after Casablanca is far better than anything you could put in, on, on any movie, I, I think. And I think your version... Of what happened to Rick is is far better than whatever they could put. Leave it alone, you know. That's what I that that's what I think. But
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, even I'm looking at the cover of Casablanca right now of the DVD, and uh, Ingrid Bergman's character is so clearly Princess Leia. <laughs> yeah. They had the same dynamic. Yeah. It was. Almost this uh, forbidden flirtatious love. I don't know. There, I, you know what? I, that's that's someone's doctoral thesis right there. Yeah. Someone listening to this show needs to do a compare and contrast of of Casablanca and Star Wars. Well, for that matter, for that matter, uh, you know, all of the Tatooine scenes with Luke and and. You know, his his homestead was shot in Tunisia, which is a stone's throw from Casablanca.
0: Yeah, Morocco. And,
1: and all, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's just a stone's throw from Morocco. The architecture is very similar. We, I mean, Mose Eisley, Cantina, is Rick's Cantina. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, Holly Gonzalez, if you're listening, this is a this is a paper for you.
0: <laughs> I I because the thing is is that uh, Holly Holly is uh, she's she's sort of like come back from from the netherworld, and she she is responding to a lot of uh, a lot of posts that I have have put up. Um, we get but we got to have uh, Paul. Um, we have to have Holly on the show sometime. Before I before I wrap this up. Because I'm just about ready to publish this article, and it's uh, it's going to be it's an ongoing it's going to be an ongoing series. But the, here's the thing: I don't want it to be just me, okay? And the ongoing series it's going to be it's is called tentatively on becoming Diesel Punk for whatever month this is. The article that I'm going to publish either tomorrow or 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 uh, or Friday um on becoming diesel punk for september 2017 and i think that because every month we should have a just a moment of renewal for diesel punks and um this is where i'm going to leave the show and what i wanted to know is um from you john are we in are, yes. are we in a period of, of, of renewal right now? Are we at a point where we need to renew ourselves in the realm of diesel punk?
1: <clears throat> That's an interesting question. I don't know if I have an answer for that. I will say that we are in an in a state of transition. And and by that I mean we are seeing some of the uh we're seeing the ball being handed off to different people. We're seeing, you know, some of the folks who brought us to this point, kind of not, not leaving, but, you know, kind of falling away or taking a break. Um, You know, we're seeing a new, I don't want to say a new generation, but just, I guess some new faces or new voices, uh, you know, echoing the, the, the clarion call out there. Um, so I th- I don't know that we're I don't know if we need renewal or if we're in renewal, but I do think we're in a definite state of transition.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do I do too, and I think that the thing is that um, I th- I think we have a great opportunity here. I think we have an opportunity here to actually like reach out. I mean, and this is one of those shows where I want to come back to and I want to re-listen and I want to revisit some of these topics. And I really want to, I want to challenge a lot of other people to sort of like, especially people who run conventions, especially when they have the theme of alternate history. You know what? Reach out to us. We're not that hard to find. If my crazy, if my crazy ex-girlfriend from the 1980s can find me, Anybody can find me. I'm sure that uh, John. How many John Pikas are are there out there? Big Daddy Cool. How many are? How many of them are out there? I don't know. So reach out to us, John. I want to give you the last word.
1: Well, uh, you know, <clears throat> just to let our listeners know, uh, this is uh, a new commitment from Eric and myself. We've been uh, talking about this a lot. And, you know, even though on the uh, Dieselpunk podcast, we are pretty much putting out new content on a weekly basis with the different syndicated shows that we're doing, my solo show, the monthly roundtable. Both Eric and I really felt like it wasn't enough for the, the combined voices to be heard. So we we are making a commitment to do this show, this joint production of the Diesel Punk podcast and the Fedora Chronicles, once a week. So you guys are going to get new content, new musings, and, you know, sometimes it won't be nearly as heavy as it was tonight. Sometimes it'll just be lighter talking about the latest book or movie that we read, but it'll be more frequently than once a month. And, you know... Daisy and Larry will be joining along as they can. Um, and, and we'll be having guests like Polly that Eric just mentioned. I want to try to get uh, a time that we can get Anders Blix on the show, Eric. Yeah. Um, you know, but right now, you know, Eric mentioned, are we in a spot of renewal? Well, maybe we are. Maybe we are because Eric and I have made the commitment to do this once a week and uh, to bring you guys more diesel punk content and uh, to really to really evangelize the genre and and be the ambassadors that that we hope we can be and so I'm gonna leave it with that there's good stuff on the horizon and um, we encourage you guys to stay in touch with us to you know share your feedback on facebook on twitter send us emails there's so many different ways to do it you can do it through the diesel punk podcast fan page through the fedora chronicles fan page fedora chronicles group the diesel punks group on twitter you know via email it's not hard like eric said to find us so uh post your comments post comments on itunes give us good reviews Really help us reach a bigger, broader audience, and let's let's commit ourselves—not just Eric and I, but you, our listener—commit c- yourself to really helping us spread the Diesel Punk goodwill and uh, the good news of Diesel Punk, and um, that would be great. That's really all I got to say, Eric.
0: You know what? The only thing that I could add to that is tell us how we can help seriously how how can we help how can we how can we help the diesel bunk community what like, well I, i'm sure that there's some author out there who wants wants us to help them promote their book and or
1: absolutely
0: art come on the show
1: yes yes do not do not be shy do not wait for us to find you and invite you um you know we we've had authors and artists on the show um and we'll continue to do so. But don't think that you have to wait for us to ask you. Come ask us. Hey, John. Hey, Eric. I got a new book coming out. Uh, can, I, can I come on the show and talk about it? Absolutely you can. You know, I just did a review of Dan Cooney's Tommy Gundal's graphic novel. And he was on the show uh, about a year and a half ago. He'll be on the show again. But, you know, don't, don't wait, reach out to us, let us know, because we, you know, we try to stay in touch as much as we can and and have our pulse on the uh, community as much as we can. But we're only two guys. So uh, we need your help as listeners, as fans, as creators. The other thing I would say, Eric, is listeners can help by sharing these episodes Share the Diesel Punks group on Facebook. Share the Fedora Chronicles groups and pages on Facebook. Invite anyone you know who has any kind of pro- proclivity to, to this genre. Invite them. Tell them about it. Say, hey, come join this community. Um, by you sharing and and posting and cross-posting, that's going to help us a lot. And then the third way you can help is is financially. And and I don't mean just us. Yes, Eric and I both have Patreon pages. Um, you can become a sponsor. You can sponsor the Diesel Punk Podcast uh, individually at dieselpunkpodcast.com. That's great. That helps us out. But don't just don't just help us go buy the books we talk about go buy the games the board games that we talk about i just did a a diesel punk game night uh video on youtube eric and and i reviewed unexploded cow uh, (laughs) by cheap best games
0: yeah that's 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 great
1: yeah it's a hilarious game go buy it you know if if you want to see more of this genre In more of these aesthetics, go support the products and artists and writers and musicians that are producing the product. Go see live shows. Buy a ticket to see the Rogue Aviator. Or go to Tom Wilson's Jazz Age on the Delaware. Come see one of my shows. Buy a ticket. You know, um, do your favorite diesel punk cosplay at a con. Reach out to conventions like Wizard World and Dragon Con and, and your local Comic Con and say, hey, we want you to bring in these guests. We want you to bring in Big Daddy Cool and the Bombshell Kittens. We want you to bring in Johnny and Eric to do a live podcast. You know, uh, just do your part to share and support and, and get the word out. And um, that's, that's really all we can ask. But if uh, everyone listening right now would take 30 seconds and you know post like William Jackson, I'll I'll just call him out. He's probably the best supporter of the diesel punk genre there is out there. Everything we post, he shares to his network of friends and family. If everybody listening did that. We diesel punk would be an unstoppable juggernaut so that's how you can help you know financially by sharing and supporting the artists that uh, do diesel punk
0: I'm, that's anything it. else there you know what um follow john what's your twitter handle real quick
1: Uh, BDC Magic that's my personal one you can also follow us at Diesel Podcast and then of course we've got the Facebook pages Big Daddy Cool Shows and Diesel Punk Podcast and uh, of course the same for you Eric uh, Fedora Chronicle on Twitter and Fedora Chronicles on Facebook and um, yeah Go like those pages and share the pages with your friends.
0: And on top of that, if you're creating great diesel punk content, let us know so we can follow you and talk about you on the podcast. Because the thing is, I mean, I'm not I'm not looking for fame and fortune here. I'm not I'm not. This is not about making Eric a big huge internet superstar. This is not about making John a bigger internet superstar. This is this is about helping out the community and getting the ball rolling. And and get, and getting the word out about all the great things that people are doing cuz I do not want to see anything anything happen to Dieselpunk. I I want I want I want well, so- I, I want to keep the love train going
1: yeah, baby. Well, so the exact opposite. you remember I talked about my friend being in love with REM when they were super underground. Nobody else knew him. and he was he, he got turned off to him when they went commercial and became a big hit. I'm not gonna feel that way about diesel punk. if If it becomes the biggest mainstream sensation since sliced bread, Since Wonder Bread, I'm going to do a dance naked out in the street because that will be the happiest day. I want more people to join my club. Yes. I want this party to be the biggest street party that ever was. Um, I don't want it to be exclusive. And so um, if, you know, you guys out there, we want to promote you. We want to help you, too. Because we want to bring as many people into this fold as possible. Yep. You know, I, I, I say this all the time rising tides float all ships. So if I help William Jackson sell a couple more books, that helps me. Yep. If, if we help Georgina Elizabeth, you know, sell more pinup prints, that helps us. Because. It, it builds the community and it builds the genre, and every everybody benefits.
0: Absolutely. So that's it. He's got the final word. All I'm doing right now is saying goodbye. Good night. Keep your chins up and your fedoras on, and thank you for listening. So until next time, Johnny, take it away.
1: Swing hard, swing often. We'll catch you on the flip side.
0: This has been another episode of the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show. You can learn more about us, our guests, and our topics by going to the Fedora Chronicles homepage, thefedorachronicles.com, and click the link or the banner for the radio show. Be sure to check out our supporters and friends of the show who keep this podcast going. Trinity Whip Company. There is no cure for whip addiction, only treatment. More whips. Handcrafted by Blake Burning, www.trinitywhipco.com. Modern Vintage Menswear by Chester Cordite Browse through and order our range of Modern Vintage Menswear Including Suits, Shirts, and Ties Inspired by the 1930s and 40s ChesterCordite.com Landrin Artifacts Amazing wall reliefs inspired by ancient artifacts A must-have for every fedora-wearing adventurer And explorers of the supernatural and paranormal LandrinArtifacts.com Be sure to also check out Penman Hats, handcrafted fedoras essential for all of our listeners and their everyday wear, penmanhats.com. Also, Reconstructing History, our favorite supplier of vintage patterns for clothes from the jazz era, reconstructinghistory.com. Once again, you can click on all of these links on the Fedora Chronicles main page. So until next time, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off. Keep your chins up and your fedora's on.